Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, February 8th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining today's press briefing. I'm Hilda L. Solis, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. Welcome. We continue to see promising signs of recovery from the winter surge with our data from last week. Cases, hospitalizations, and positive test rates continue to decline and are heading in the right direction. Just as with the Super Bowl and with any holiday occasion, which may prompt people to gather, I'm asking residents to continue being cautious during this upcoming weekend of Valentine's Day and President's Day. Please remember that a continual decline in cases and hospitalizations is not automatic. And as a result of our collective hard work to mitigate the spread of the virus, that's what's going to work. Our progress can easily be undone And it takes less than 15 minutes of exposure to someone with COVID for someone to get sick themselves. With these new variants, COVID may be even easier to catch than it was a few months ago. While we wait for more people to be vaccinated, the tools we have been using are still effective and absolutely necessary in slowing and preventing the spread of the virus. As we continue to emerge from this difficult winter, I want to take a minute to talk about the importance of our safety net healthcare system right here in Los Angeles County. We're very fortunate that we have such a robust network of hundreds of public and nonprofit healthcare centers from the high desert to Long Beach, from Pomona to Venice. And they include clinics run by our LA County Department of Health Services, as well as federally qualified health centers run by some of our most trusted partners, including St. John's Wellchild Family Center, Wesley Health Centers, Altamed, and Northeast Valley Health Corporation. Community members throughout Los Angeles County depend on these clinics to obtain preventive health care, sign up for health insurance, and receive food assistance and get mental health and substance abuse treatment. During the pandemic, the clinics have also are offering COVID testing to their patients, and many have extended that testing to the community at large. They are also a part of our effort to roll out the COVID-19 vaccine. The health of our community, as you know, depends in part on the care and support provided by these health centers, and we appreciate everything that they do. I also want to mention a very important program to me personally, and it's known as My Health LA. It's a health coverage program funded by LA County and run by the Department of Health Services. Each year, My Health LA serves about 135,000 low-income county residents who are uninsured and who do not qualify for health insurance. Participants in My Health LA receive free primary care at more than 200 community clinic sites, in addition to free medication and dental care. They also receive more advanced specialty care through DHS. This is a critical part of our safety net program, especially right now, because we want to make sure everyone has health coverage and access to health care. And we know that many of our My Health LA participants are 
essential workers and that they live in communities deeply impacted by the COVID-19. If you would like to learn more or find a clinic near you, please call 844-744-6452 or visit dhs.lacounty.gov slash mhla. Although COVID-19 remains very real, so do other illnesses. So it's critical that even if you've been delaying healthcare, you make that appointment now and find a medical provider to ensure that you get the treatment soon. I'd also like to discuss our vaccine efforts. First of all, due to limited supplies of the vaccine, the county is limiting the number of new and first dose appointments. This is to ensure that we have enough doses to guarantee a second dose for people who already received the first one. Once our supplies improve, we will offer more first-time appointments. And although the vaccine efforts are not moving as fast as everyone would like, there have been major improvements statewide. California has more than tripled its vaccination rate since early January, and we're now ranking in the middle of the country for percent of vaccines used up from where we were just a few weeks ago. This weekend, I visited LAC USC Medical Center and witnessed hundreds of patients, 65 and older, get vaccinated. There were accompanying them community health navigators, known as Prometoras, to provide referrals to wraparound services on site to address any other needs that they may have. Patients were also given food, sanitation kits, masks, and informational packets. This is the model that we should incorporate into our vaccine rollout. After conversations also with President Biden's administration, I'm pleased to announce that by February 16th, our new federal community vaccination center at Cal State Los Angeles is expected to be up and running in one of the hardest hit areas of the county. With that, our vaccination supply and capacity will be improving even more in the coming weeks. And I also want to applaud and thank Governor Newsom for his partnership and for the state's resources that will assist that site. Although vaccination rates are improving, we must ensure that health equity is always at the forefront. There are some problems that we still need to address, such as transportation assistance to those who do not own a car. Tomorrow, I'll be asking the Board of Supervisors to approve my plan to partner with transit agencies and also use the county's own bus system to ensure that lack of transportation will not prevent people from getting their vaccination. And I'll continue to insist on equity in everything that we do. Knowing that low-income communities often have limited travel options, we must meet them where they are. That's why the county, along with the federal partners, is deploying mobile vaccination teams who will visit senior housing, government-run housing, homeless encampments, and other places where people are not able to easily access transportation. These are some of the first mobile units to be deployed in LA County, and we think that this model will help address the issue of mobility and access once we scale up these teams. Equity is not just a buzzword. It must be a central tenet to the way we make policy and deliver our services. And that's why I've raised the issue from the very beginning, and that's why I'll continue to allocate funding for food, for housing, for rental and small business assistance to the hardest pressed communities in the county. The pandemic did not impact everyone equally, but we must, we must continue to repeat that. Um, there are now more than 340 vaccination sites in the entire county, 
ranging from the mega sites to the local pharmacies, federally qualified health clinics, which serve our most vulnerable populations. The goal is indeed to eventually have vaccination sites everywhere, from schools to local community centers to trusted service providers based in people's neighborhoods. The supply remains our biggest challenge and the logistics of cold storage and short lifespan of these vaccines are also obstacles in our mass vaccination campaign. We're making, however, good progress on building out that infrastructure to receive and administer more vaccine doses every day. But the eventual increase in supplies requires that all of us make sure that our neighbors and our community is ready to get that vaccine when it's available. So please start sharing your thoughts on the vaccine with others. We do not want to get to a point where we have too much vaccine and too few people who want it. So please, if you get the vaccine, call your neighbor, let someone you, who you know and care for, share it with them, post it on social media, and share your experience with them. This is an unprecedented effort, and every day hope arrives in a family where a grandparent or a nurse is vaccinated. And as Dr. Ferrer is prepared to announce momentarily, we still have a lot more work to do. The inequities we saw with respect to cases, hospitalizations, and death have been reflected so far in the vaccine administration. This is completely unacceptable, and we'll be sharing some of those changes to our vaccine rollout in the coming days to ensure that it is truly equitable. Frankly, I'm disappointed and I'm calling on all of us, our departments and our medical providers, to fulfill their responsibility to ensure that the vaccine gets to those who need it the most. We'll be working with our federally qualified health clinics to make up for the last few weeks to bridge that gap. While supplies are still limited, we need to be vaccinating and making sure that we reach the most most vulnerable populations. With that, I am pleased to introduce Dr. Barbara Ferrer. Uh, thank you so much, Supervisor Solis, and to the entire Board of Supervisors for your ongoing leadership, your guidance, and your many efforts to protect the residents of LA County and those who work here. I'm also grateful for your continued hard work to secure more COVID-19 vaccines for LA County so that we can save lives and help end this pandemic. Today, I will be providing updates on our multifaceted efforts at the Department of Public Health to both help stop the transmission of this deadly virus, as well as to help guide the complex and important effort to vaccinate our many and diverse communities. I'll first provide our daily numbers, and I'll take the first slide. We're sad to report today, nine, 93 additional people have passed away which tragically brings the total number of deaths in LA County to 18,135. 41 of the people who passed away were over the age of 80 and 29 people had underlying health conditions in this age group. 24 people who passed away were between the ages of 65 to 79 and 20 had underlying health conditions. 21 people who died were between the ages of 50 and 64 and 15 people in this age group had underlying health conditions. And six people died who were between the ages of 30 and 49. And three people in this age group had underlying health conditions. We offer our condolences to everyone who's mourning the loss of a loved one or friend. You're not alone during these difficult times as our prayers and thoughts are with you and your families. We're reporting 2,741 new cases today 
bringing the total number of cases in LA County to 1,149,064. Just a note that always on Monday, our case numbers and our death numbers can be down because of a lag in the reporting over the weekend. The cases do include 49,356 total cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 10,473 total cases reported by the city of Pasadena. There are 4,186 people currently hospitalized with COVID-19 and 29% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU, 26% are on ventilators. We've investigated a total of 4,787 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Of these, currently we have ongoing outbreak investigations at 1,263 sites, and we've closed investigations at 3,524 sites. The total confirmed cases in our institutional settings is 90,128, and this includes 37,108 cases among residents and 53,020 cases among staff. To date, over 5.6 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County, and the cumulative positivity rate is 19%. I'll take the next slide. We do continue to make progress in reducing the average number of daily new cases of COVID-19, uh, though our daily numbers, as you can see, uh, still remain high. The seven-day average of daily cases peaked around January 8th, where we had more than 15,000 cases, and it's now dropped by 77% to less than 5,000 cases a day. We hope this trend continues and we can reduce our daily case rates enough to allow elementary schools to meet the state threshold for reopening. I'll take the next slide. Hospitalizations among people who have become seriously ill from COVID-19 infection are also continuing to gradually decline, though the numbers again remain high. As you may recall, we reached a peak of over 8,000 average daily hospitalizations at the beginning of January. That was more than a 900% increase from the approximately 760 hospitalizations uh, we were experiencing in the county when the surge began. Uh, in early November. As of February 5th, there are, as I announced, 4,608 daily hospitalizations, and this is a 42% decline. It's also encouraging to see these numbers go down, and we're grateful to everyone whose careful actions are making this possible. However, our hospitals are still very crowded and they still have limited ICU capacity. Uh, before the surge began, as you know, we were under 1,000 patients a day that were hospitalized with COVID-19. If everyone can continue to do their part to prevent transmission, we could reduce the pressure on our hospitals by decreasing the number of people that end up getting very sick from the virus. This would enable our hospitals to have the staff and resources necessary to accommodate other types of medical needs and procedures that are being delayed because of the high numbers of COVID-19 patients requiring intensive care. I'll take the next slide. Unfortunately, the number of people who are dying from COVID-19 remains distressingly high. The average number of daily deaths from COVID-19 peaked earlier in January at over 220 deaths a day. And that was an increase of more than 1,700% from 
from when the surge began, and we were reporting 13 deaths a day from COVID-19. As of January 31st, the number of people who passed away from COVID-19 dropped by 44%. But unfortunately, we continue to report more than 200 people a day passing away on far too many days. With hospitalizations remaining high, we can expect that more people will pass away from COVID-19 in the coming weeks. For death rates to significantly decrease, case rates need to drop much lower. This is why it's so important to recognize that now is the time to take more precautions, not less, if we wanna support forward movement on our recovery journey. I'll take the next slide. This graph of the combined trend lines for cases, hospitalizations, and deaths through January 31st shows what I've been noting, the continued rate of decline for all three metrics. Cases in the green line fall, are falling at a very promising rate, but you can see that hospitalizations and deaths are not dropping at a similar pace. And this is because there's a lag time in hospitalizations and deaths dropping after cases drop. But it is our hope that people chose not to gather for the Super Bowl this past weekend. We'll only begin to see the impact of our actions this past weekend two weeks from now with our daily case numbers. Should cases increase, hospitalizations and deaths will increase shortly thereafter. And in the weeks ahead, we really can't afford that increase. We do need to see our daily case numbers continuing to decline. Until we get to much lower daily numbers, community transmission remains widespread, and there's significant risk in every action you take when you leave your house. The variants are concerning because if we let our guard down, the more infectious strains can become dominant, and that just makes it a lot easier for this virus to spread. I'll take the next slide. Although new cases of COVID-19 are declining, there is continued transmission that's, in, in fact, uh, that's in having an impact on our healthcare workers and our first responders. And we're reporting 840 new cases this past week amongst healthcare workers. As of February 4th, a total of 36,162 healthcare workers and first responders have been confirmed uh, with COVID-19 across the county since March of last year. This table shows the three successive waves of cases among healthcare workers. One that began in March and peaked in mid-April, another that came in July when we saw high rates of community transmission in the county, and again, the recent surge that started in November and is just starting uh, to go down. You can see by the solid red line that the greatest increase in new cases in this recent surge occurred in hospital settings. The solid gray line represents positive cases among healthcare workers and staff at our skilled nursing facilities. With the recent surge, the rise in cases at skilled nursing facilities was not as great as it has been earlier. And this probably reflects efforts at nursing facilities to improve infection control and outbreak management and to offer routine testing of both residents and staff. The impact of vaccinations amongst healthcare workers uh, should be contributing as well to this slight decline we're seeing in new cases. And it could serve as an indicator of the positive outcomes that increased vaccinations will have on the number of new cases of COVID-19 in the months to come. Next slide. Tragically, there have been a total of 191 COVID-19 related deaths among healthcare workers and first responders in the county 
since the beginning of the pandemic. This table provides demographic information for healthcare workers who passed away. More than half the deaths are among men. Latinx individuals experience the highest number of deaths among all ethnic groups, followed by Asian workers. A very large percentage of healthcare workers or first responders who died from COVID-19 had underlying health conditions, more than 80%. And while we attempt to investigate where people were exposed to COVID-19, for 72% of the cases, the exposure source could not be identified. We do know that almost 25% of healthcare workers and first responders who passed away were exposed to the virus at a healthcare setting. And a smaller number, eight people, were exposed in confirmed family or community settings. Each one of these deaths is a tragedy, and we mourn with the families and coworkers of the healthcare workers who have passed away from COVID-19. We'll continue our efforts to work with organizations all across the county to ensure that healthcare workers are protected at their work sites, that they have the personal protective equipment needed to stay safe, and that they continue to be prioritized for vaccination. Next slide. Uh, this slide does provide a snapshot of vaccine administration across the county. The top part of the table provides the latest numbers for allocation and administration of doses. As of February 1st, LA County received slightly more than 1.2 million doses. By the end of that week, more than 1 million doses had been administered. This means that almost 82% of all doses that were on hand in the county quickly made their way into people's arms. The second table on this slide shows the doses that have been shipped to LA County each week. As you can see in that third column, uh, our weekly shipments have gone up and down. Last week, we received more than 184,000 doses and a large percentage were reserved for second doses. This week, we should receive more than 218,000 doses with 55% of the doses we expect to receive needed for second doses. We're encouraged that this week there's an increase in our shipment and we hope that this trend will continue. Next slide. We're now also receiving demographic data from the state vaccination registry to help us analyze who's getting vaccinated and where gaps are occurring. This data is very useful because it helps us reallocate supplies, including additional outreach and educational resources to ensure, as Supervisor Solis noted, that there's an equitable, di equitable distribution of the vaccine. The table shows who's received at least one dose of vaccine by race and ethnicity, and it includes uh, data uh, through February 4th. Vaccinations, as you know, were happening for healthcare workers, residents and staff at long-term care facilities, and residents age 65 and older who began getting vaccinated on January 20th. Roughly a quarter of vaccine doses were administered to white residents, and another quarter were administered to Latinx residents. 18% of doses were administered to Asian residents, and 17 to 17% to residents who identified as multiracial. Shockingly, Black residents have received only 3.5% of all administered doses, highlighting a glaring inadequacy in the vaccine rollout to date. And I'll discuss shortly some additional efforts we're taking to address this. Next slide. Uh, this chart shows the age breakdown amongst those who have received at least one dose of vaccine. It's important to know that these numbers reflect our first priority groups, which were frontline healthcare workers, 
staff and residents at long-term care facilities, and as I noted, residents 65 and older. As a reminder, healthcare workers are vaccinated if they work in LA County, and they are not necessarily uh, LA County residents. Next slide. This bar graph uh, illustrates the percent of residents 65 and older only who have received at least one dose of the vaccine by race and ethnicity. While an estimated 20% of LA County residents 65 and older have been vaccinated with at least one dose, this graph again clearly demonstrates the need to target additional resources in the hardest hit communities. We're alarmed by the disproportionality we're seeing in who has received the vaccine. American Indian, Native Alaskan residents, Black residents, and Latinx residents have lower vaccination rates than white, Asian, and Pacific Islander residents. And I want to note that Pacific Islander residents, uh, we believe, includes also uh, residents who are Filipino. Uh, in fact, uh, Black residents have the lowest vaccination rate of all racial and ethnic groups at 7.2%. And this is less than half the rate of white residents and a third the rate of Pacific Islanders. American Indians and Native Alaskans have a rate of 9%. 9% of the population of American Indians and Native Alaskans have been vaccinated. This again is roughly half the rate of white and Asian residents. In the Latinx community, which has experienced the highest case hospitalization and death rate, only 14% of Latinx residents have been vaccinated to date. This early data shows us that we need to make it much easier for Native American, Black, and Latinx residents and workers to be vaccinated in their communities by providers they trust. This is a top priority for the Department of Public Health, and we're going to continue to work with our community partners to ensure that we're not only getting everyone vaccinated quickly, but we're addressing the need to provide easier access to neighborhood sites and better access to accurate information about the vaccines. The next slide. One of our primary commitments is to increase the number of vaccination sites in the hardest hit communities. As you can see on this map, there are hundreds of sites across the county with scheduled appointments for this week. Until the new state system is in place, we're gonna to continue to coordinate with this very extensive and capable network of pharmacies, hospitals, federally qualified health centers, and other health clinics as well as the six large capacity sites managed by the city of LA and by the county. In total, there's 365 sites offering vaccinations this week. This includes 129 federally qualified health clinics, 208 pharmacies, 16 hospitals, and six smaller community sites run by the city and the county. 10 additional vaccination sites were added this week in East LA and South LA, bringing to 49 the total number of vaccination sites in these two communities. This includes uh, 35 sites that are in South Central uh, LA and 14 in East LA. As the vaccination program continues, we're looking at strategies that improve access to vaccine for people who are older with limited mobility and who need assistance securing appointments. We are organizing mobile teams to start the, uh, a week from now bringing vaccinations directly to seniors living in housing developments or who are participating at senior centers in our hardest hit communities. We'll also have community health workers in the highly impacted communities who at times may be going block by block 
to provide information to residents about how to get vaccinated, help them sign up, and to dispel myths and misinformation about the vaccine. In addition, we're working to support our neighborhood vaccination sites. And as of today, we've placed 60 volunteers from various universities at sites where they can provide assistance with data entry, cold chain support, and to provide licensed clinical vaccinators. Public Health continues to offer weekly office hours for vaccination sites across the county so that we can assist with any emerging challenges and we can communicate changes to the state data reporting requirements. I do want to thank all of the groups that have been meeting with us for months now, including our local, state, and elected officials, our faith-based organizations and community organizations, our labor partners, and of course, our supervisors and their staff. The sessions and ongoing dialogues have provided us with critical information that we use to deploy additional resources, improve collaborations, and identify additional strategies and sites that can address the equity gaps that we've noted in the vaccine rollout to date. I do want to acknowledge that scheduling an appointment right now is challenging because of the limited supply of vaccines that we're receiving on a weekly basis. And I also want to note that as of right now, Starting tomorrow and for the rest of this week at all of the county sites, all we're able to offer were second dose appointments. Uh, if you're currently uh, eligible to receive a vaccine, I do encourage you to pull your information together before you go online or you call the call center. It's helpful if you can have your information information at hand only if you have health in, if you have uh, insurance. If you don't, you are welcome. Uh, to uh, come along and we'll get an appointment. You don't need health insurance to get vaccinated. It's also helpful to have the name and the contact information for your primary care physician. You can get familiar with the sites uh, so that you can figure out which ones are closest to you and which ones are most convenient if you visit our Vaccinate LA County website. You can also click on the My Turn button so you can see how appointments are being made. The MyTurn site does allow you to sign up to be notified when appointments open up and when vaccinations begin with additional priority groups. We do continue to add staff at the call center to help those uh, without computer access make appointments. And we do also continue to set aside appointments uh, for people with limited access to computers. We're gonna continue working with our community partners and the labor unions to plan for the rollout of vaccinations in a couple of weeks to workers in education and childcare, food and agriculture, and emergency responders and law enforcement. While vaccine supply remains very limited, we're gonna ask for everyone's patience as we vaccinate those in the state-determined priority groups. Please do not make appointments for yourself or your others if you're not currently a frontline healthcare worker or an LA County resident age 65 and older. You're taking away uh, very few appointments uh, from people who are in fact eligible. And unfortunately, when you show up at a site and you're not eligible, uh, in all likelihood, you're not gonna be able to get vaccinated. The next slide. Lastly, I do wanna remind everyone that a travel advisory remains in effect in LA County. Our cases remain high and the risk of virus transmission is significant. Uh, and this will continue until more people are able to get vaccinated. The advisory recommends against any non-essential travel 120 miles outside of the county. This is especially important given the upcoming President's Day weekend, which we know is usually a time for a getaway weekend for many. 
We strongly advise against any leisure or recreational travel until further notice. The risks are just too great. Under the current travel advisory, anyone arriving uh, to LA County must self-quarantine for a minimum of 10 days. Please remain at your home or your lodging for the 10-day quarantine period and avoid contact with others. More information on the travel advisory and the guidance we're recommending can be found on the COVID-19 page of our public health website. The website address is listed on the slide and it's publichealth.lacounty.gov backslash coronavirus. Thank you. And now I'll turn it over to Dr. Galley for her comments. Hi, good afternoon. I'll make some brief comments today and then we'll turn it over for questions and I'll touch on what we're seeing in our hospitals as well as just a little bit about testing. Within the hospitals, as you know, the number of patients that are in the hospital with COVID continues its very slow but steady decline over the past week. Thankfully also, the emergency medical services system has stabilized with diversion rates that are back to normal, le normal levels where fewer than a third of hospitals are using diversion or ambulances in any 24 hour period of time and fewer than 5% of the total hours in the day are spent with hospitals being on diversion. The state health officer order that prohibited non-essential surgeries and procedures was also lifted late last week. Hospitals now, as their staffing allows them to, will begin to reschedule procedures, visits, and surgeries that were put on hold throughout the surge. The number of available beds also continues to improve, though only improve very slowly. With 726 total beds and 59 intensive care unit beds being reported yesterday morning as immediately available and able to accept a patient, and that's within the county's 911 receiving hospitals. This reflects, I would say, the continued challenge that hospitals are experiencing with securing sufficient staff to be able to staff all of the beds that require patient care. And there are a few reasons for this slow recovery in the number of available beds. First, many hospitals still have a large number of staff that are out on leave for a variety of reasons. And even though healthcare workers have received vaccinations, and as Dr. Freer just went through those numbers, the rates of infections are down, many staff are also out with the need to care for family members at home. Second, while the overall census in hospitals is down, in many places and in many hospitals across the county, the ICU census is still very high and is oftentimes above the license capacity within a hospital. ICUs require more staff and more highly trained staff to be able to safely operate. And because of that, when you have a high ICU bed census, that will push down the overall bed availability within a hospital. And lastly, with the surge on the decline, the state has also halted the use of the expedited nurse staffing ratio authority that was put in place earlier in the surge. Hospitals now have two choices. They must either operate within the state mandated nurse staffing ratios, which will naturally decrease the number of beds that they can report as being immediately available to accept a patient. Or if they're not able to maintain the staffing ratios for the number of patients that they have, then they need to seek an additional nurse staffing ratio waiver through the normal approval channel for consideration by the state. I continue to urge all LA County residents to please seek medical care, including through the 911 system, if you're having symptoms that might be consistent with a medical emergency. 
There can be very serious and even life-threatening consequences to ignoring the signs and symptoms of things like heart attacks, strokes, or other conditions, and we don't want people to delay medical care if they need it. Turning now to testing. While we are moving in the right direction, many in our communities and hospitals are still quite ill with COVID-19, as you know. The core strategy for preventing infections is practicing those core public health interventions like masking, physical distancing, cleaning, and other measures. However, testing does still play an important role in limiting the spread of the virus. To maintain access to testing, especially given the uncertainty in the future with the variants, and to help improve equity, especially among hard-hit neighborhoods and communities, DHS continues to add additional testing capacity to existing sites, as well as add new sites with a focus on those communities that are hardest hit by the virus. We have added thousands of daily testing appointments over the last several weeks, and there is ample testing capacity that's available. If you or a loved one are experiencing symptoms of COVID or you have a known exposure to someone with COVID, then tests are readily available. Please also consider whether or not you might need a test if you engaged in an activity in which you might have had an exposure, such as being around people outside of your household in which you or the other individuals were not wearing a mask. And remember, a negative test only reflects the test status at the moment that you took the test. You still need to complete the mandatory quarantine period regardless of the test results as a test can still turn positive at any time. As always, you can go to the county's website, covid19.lacounty.gov testing to make a testing appointment, including to see the new sites that are available to offer free testing capacity. And you can also request that a home self-collection test kit get mailed to your home. It is within the power of each and every one of us to continue to ensure that the trend that we've seen in declining transmission, declining cases, and declining hospitalizations continues. So as we wait for widespread distribution of the vaccine, we can move together safely as a community by following the steps that we all know works. So please continue to do your part. We'll now take questions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please raise your hand using the hand icon or send the host a chat with your name and outlet to be placed in queue. As a courtesy to other reporters and to allow for ample time for questions, we ask that you please limit yourselves to one to two questions per reporter. One moment, please, for our first question. Our first question will come from Patrick Healy. Patrick, your line is open. Please go ahead. Oh, yeah, thanks very much. Uh, doctors, hoping you can shed some more light on when you expect the major county sites will be able to resume first doses. And looking at your chart of the allocations, it appears there was a big increase in doses the week of January 11. Is that our problem here that we had so many first doses that week that now we need second doses? And finally, I heard Dr. Fur mention that uh, others in, in phase 1B, the next tier, uh, teachers, police, uh, et cetera, may be able to start receiving doses in a couple of weeks. Is that correct? Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Patrick. Um, and, and uh, you know, um, when you have a limited supply, you, you have to make some pretty tough choices. And right now, uh, we know we've got to get uh, first doses into the hardest hit communities and into our neighborhood sites. So it's really a strategic decision um, to go ahead and make sure that as we're bringing on uh, more of our federally qualified health centers, 
more of our community health partners, more pharmacies in some of the hardest hit communities uh, where folks can more easily go and get vaccinated who live in those hard hit communities. Uh, this time around, we did prioritize getting those first doses back into these community sites. Uh, you know, uh, at each of our uh, large, um, you know, capacity sites this week, we're doing over 2,000 second dose vaccinations. Uh, obviously, you know, we would love at all of our sites to have plenty for both second dose vaccinations and first dose vaccinations so that every site could be operating at capacity. But we're a ways away from that. I mean, just realistically, we're a ways away from that. Uh, and one of our priorities really needs to be to make it very easy for people with limited resources who are working uh, lots of hours uh, to be able to get uh, vaccinated in their neighborhood from their trusted provider. So we're grateful to all of the uh, new providers that have come on board these last couple of weeks. And our promise to them has been uh, to, to make sure that we're increasing uh, their capacity to do those first doses. Um, and I also want to thank uh, Dr. Galley and her team because we're starting to be able to do a lot of doses at their community health clinics in the neighborhoods as well. And that is a big priority for us. And it's a big priority to get to those patients uh, at those clinics. Uh, in terms of the second dose issue, you, you know, uh, early in January, there was still a, a little bit of a time lag. We remember we were still just vaccinating healthcare workers. Um, but yes, you know, we're four weeks uh, from that uh, second week in January, uh, starting now for February. All of the people who got vaccinated with Moderna doses need to get their second dose. And, you know, our pledge will continue throughout the, the vaccination program in the county to guarantee those second doses. So, uh, yes, there, there is uh, this need uh, to get to those second doses. And one of the reasons why we've been saying all along, it is hard to manage a vaccination program with so much variability in the weekly allocations. And we're looking forward uh, to really making sure that our weekly allocations uh, are always just increasing, because uh, that's a problem we can handle, and that we never have uh, sort of the seesawing. Some weeks we get more, some weeks we get less, because that that makes uh, that makes it very hard to schedule. And in terms of the the next year, yes, you heard me correctly. We're working this week and next week uh, to make sure we're uh, communicating with all of our partners uh, in the sectors uh, that are. Uh, really uh, next in line uh, for being eligible for vaccine. You know, a word of caution here is we just have limited vaccine. Uh, and I've already noted that in that sort of tier one group, uh, including our, our residents who are 65 and older, and all of the eligible workers in food and ag, uh, first responders, law enforcement, um, and uh, education and childcare, you know, we have a, a probably well over uh, 2.8 million people that need to get vaccinated. So again, I, I'm going to ask people to be patient uh, and we're going to work hard again to get the resources into the hardest hit communities uh, as quickly as possible as we are able to expand uh, those who will be eligible to get vaccinated. But thanks for that, Patrick. We'll go on to the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Ron Lynn. Ron, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, doctors and supervisor. Thanks so much for speaking with us. Uh, really appreciate it. Our questions today are for Dr. Ferrer on vaccines for teachers, vaccine rates by neighborhood, and the UK variant. First, Dr. Ferrer, what are your thoughts on the request today by LA School Superintendent Austin Butner 
that authorities make available 25,000 vaccines so that LA Unified can reopen elementary schools once community spread drops to the appropriate level. Second, when will, when will we get data that shows how vaccine rates break down by neighborhood in LA County? And finally, San Diego County has seen a remarkable number of cases tied to the UK variant, like 20% of the entire country. But I think you said that there's only like three in LA County. Do you think that number is is just because the variant hasn't spread here or is it a reflection of inadequate genomic sequencing in LA County? Thanks so much. Um, thanks a lot. And, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll start with uh, the question about the variant. Uh, we are going to be reporting uh, later today that we've got uh, now five confirmed uh, cases uh, associated with the variant, the UK variant. Um, we do sequencing, CDC does sequencing on, on LA County residents and some of our private labs do sequencing. Um, we're much bigger than San Diego County um, and it may just be that um, we haven't seen any clusters associated with the variant. Uh, San Diego County was able to actually do some sequencing on, on people who were close contacts who then tested positive. Uh, we just haven't seen uh, that kind of a cluster yet here, but we're on the lookout for it. And I would just note, uh, there's no way that we don't have a, a fair amount of, of variant circulating, uh, a fair amount of mutated virus circulating. Um, it's just a question of how much and, and does it become dominant? Uh, you know, also, we haven't yet seen the South Africa variant uh, in any of the sequencing that we've done, but that doesn't mean it's not here, uh, which is why we're just saying to everyone, you know, assume it's here because we've already found certainly enough of the UK variant to know it's circulating and, uh, and do our very best to uh, not have it turn into the dominant strain. And that means, you know, really doubling down even more than we did before. I know it's hard. That's a hard message. People see that we're doing some reopenings. People see that our rates are declining. Uh, but we have, if we have a more infectious uh, virus, uh, it just makes it easier for people to get infected. So we've got to actually do more than we might have been doing uh, otherwise on that. In terms of uh, zip code data or data by neighborhood, yes, uh, we are preparing tables as we speak. I hope that they'll be up. Similar to what we do right now, where we show case rates and death rates by cities, we will also show vaccination rates by those same cities as well. And we're just, the data is not the cleanest data. It's uh, coming from lots of different files. Uh, so we're working on trying to make sure it's as accurate as possible. And uh, in terms of uh, the requests uh, by uh, Superintendent Butner. You know, we have to just really see uh, how much vaccine we get. We are working, obviously, with LAUSD, um, as we are with all of the other 80-plus school districts, uh, to make sure that we have plans in place uh, so that as we reopen in a couple of weeks, and I mean, not as we reopen, as we uh, are able to expand the eligibility groups in a couple of weeks, uh, we have sites that are open uh, for all school districts to, to be able to use for their staff and their teachers uh, to get vaccinated. Can't make any commitment for vaccines for any one district until we see uh, what our allocation look like. Uh, but I appreciate uh, the conversations that people are having about uh, the importance of getting vaccine into the arms of essential workers. I want to note it will be limited no matter what at the very beginning. Uh, there are lots of elementary schools uh, throughout this uh, county. Uh, there are, in fact, um, protocols uh, that schools can put in place that can provide 
a large uh, measure of safety uh, as schools uh, may become more eligible under the state guidelines uh, for reopening elementary schools later on this month. Um, and yeah, I think I got to all three of your questions. Thanks, Ron. We'll go on to the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Steve Gregory. Steve, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. We'll move on to the next question, which comes to the line from Claudia Pasciuta. Claudia, please go ahead. Hi. Hi. Uh, can you talk about enforcement over Super Bowl weekend? How many inspectors were out and how many citations were issued? And then my second question is, how much of a role do you think new variants might have played in the winter surge? And how might that change policy making going forward? Thank you. Um, thanks a lot, Claudia. Um, I know uh, we had a lot of inspectors out. We've concentrated a lot on restaurants. Um, I want to, uh, I don't have the numbers on the top of my head here. I want to note, though, that about 35% of the sites that were visited, and I think almost 200 sites were visited, uh, there were violations. Uh, the vast majority of the violations had to do with sort of the outdoor structures that people had put in place. There were, in fact, a few violations uh, associated with um, people uh, having, obviously, their, their television sets uh, on uh, when uh, that's not allowed right now. And there were, as well, some violations uh, for workers not having the appropriate face covering. I know we, we issued citations. Uh, I believe it's under 30 citations uh, that were issued, uh, but we'll get the exact number out uh, to folks uh, tomorrow or the next day as we uh, get all the reports in from the weekend. Um, and then the, the question about the role of the variant. So it's unlikely uh, that the surge we had um, starting in November uh, was associated with the UK variant. We would have seen that uh, in uh, many more of the samples that we were sequencing. We've been sequencing samples from you know pretty much the beginning of the pandemic. Um, but what what is possible is that there was that there were mutations that were circulating uh, that could in fact have uh, been uh, slightly more infectious. Just not enough is known. You know, there have been some researchers that identified what was called the California variant. We know that at least 50% of our samples uh, have shown that California variant. And I think some of the private researchers have also shown a lot of that. Uh, you know, I, I don't even want to, it's really, it's really just a, a set of mutations uh, that were found. Uh, but a lot more research needs to be done on uh, whether or not that really contributed uh, to what we saw during our surge. I mean, we know for sure uh, one of the most, uh, uh, you know, um, indicated, uh, uh, you know, reasons for those, uh, for that surge is really related to holiday gatherings, holiday traveling. So I don't want to, you know, sort of just go ahead and sort of, uh, imply in any way that, you know, there was a more infectious variant and, and that was really the, the main driver. But we could end up finding out that that contributed, but the main drivers to our increases were in fact, uh, people were just not playing by, uh, by the rules at the time. There was just a lot of gatherings uh, where people were not safe and uh, they didn't wear their face coverings. Uh, and uh, it's uh, a, a virus that's easily transmitted, a variant or no variant still very easily transmitted. 
Uh, we'll take the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jackie Fortier. Jackie, you are unmuted. Please go ahead. Oops, sorry, I was unprepared. Uh, hi, everybody. Thank you for uh, having another press conference. We do appreciate it. Um, Dr. Ferrer, your audio cut out. If you could please repeat your answer as to when we'll have neighborhood by neighborhood data. I, I didn't get it. And then my question, could you clarify, please, where this race and ethnicity data is coming from? Uh, when you sign up for the vaccine appointment on my turn, I think it only asks for your age, not your race and ethnicity. So if you could just give us an idea where this data is coming from, please. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, let me just try to answer the first question. Uh, the neighborhood uh, specific data, the rates, vaccination rates, we're hoping that will be up this week and it will go on our website in the same place that you're already getting information about case rates and death rates. Um, in terms of uh, the data source, uh, as I noted, it comes from the state vaccine registry. Um, and I'd have to get back to you on exactly uh, what kind of matching they're doing uh, to be able to get us that information. Um, but this is a statewide registry uh, that we are using uh, to actually get additional demographic information. But let me, I don't want to, I don't want to give you incorrect information. So we'll make sure our team gets back to you uh, with the exact source uh, for that. But thank you. Uh, we'll take the next question. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Steve Gregory. Steve, you are unmuted. Please go ahead. Yes. Barbara, can you hear me now? Yes, I do. Okay, good. Yeah, um, actually, I have two questions, one for you and one for a supervisor. Um, I have spoken to a school nurse this morning that had suggested that because there is such a, a back and forth and push and pull with vaccines in school districts that perhaps teachers didn't need vaccines right now because there's only a few months left in the school year. I wondered if you had a comment on that, maybe that they could move down the line a bit. And then if, after you answer this, then I'll ask uh, Supervisor Solis her question. Thank you. Okay, great. Thanks, Steve. Um, so, you know, I, I do agree with you. Like, there's there's lots of uh, thoughtful conversation that's happening around who needs vaccine right now. I do want to point out um, that here uh, in LA County, uh, we probably have 1,500 schools that are open right now uh, providing services for high-need students. And we have another 300 schools that are open right now under the waiver program providing in-classroom instruction to students in grades TK through grades two, and there's dozens and dozens of sites where there are staff from the schools that are working to prepare packets for students for online learning, uh, prepare meals uh, that, that, that folks are picking up, uh, and keep, in fact, uh, the grounds appropriately taken care of. Uh, so I want to acknowledge there are a fair number of people already in the buildings at the schools uh, who would be eligible uh, as uh, you know, again, as, as essential workers uh, in this next phase. Uh, I think we're going to be working very closely with the districts uh, because there'll be limited supply. The districts will have a fair amount of flexibility. We'll be making some recommendations on how they want to prioritize uh, who uh, gets vaccinated first, because obviously we cannot vaccinate all of the teachers and all of the staff at all of our district schools, K through 12. That's over 500,000 people. Uh, and it will take us a while to get enough vaccine uh, in the county uh, to manage uh, uh, to spread that uh, to that sector, as well as the two other sectors uh, where eligibility will be opening up. And 
Uh, I'll turn it over uh, back over to you to to talk with Supervisor Solis. And um, I wanted to ask you about um, allegations against your justice deputy with um, posts on social media that promote hate speech and violence against law enforcement. Wondering if you're aware of that and if uh, you're looking into it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question. Uh, it is a personnel matter and I am uh, not privileged to disclose uh, that information, but it is being handled. Thank you very much. I think that might have been our last question today. We actually have time for one more question, and that question comes from the line of Christopher Weber. Christopher, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hey, thanks. Um, I wondered if, uh, do you think it, it, it uh, people eventually might have to wait longer than the usual three or so weeks between first and second doses as a result of, of you know, prioritizing the second dose? You know, uh, there is a, I, I want to, I thank you for that question because one thing that's helpful for everyone to remember is there's no, there's no magic day. Like if it's not exactly on day 21 that you get your second dose, if you receive Pfizer, you're really fine. Uh, the CDC has determined that, you know, you have a window that's really up to two weeks uh, after uh, that vaccine date uh, came with which you can safely get your second dose. Uh, the same thing for Pfizer, it's 28 days. If you don't exactly get it on day 28 and you get it on day 34, uh, there's no harm that's been done and you'll have your full coverage uh, 10 days to two weeks after you get that second dose. Uh, but here in the county, we are trying our very best to be as close to uh, making appointments for second doses to either the 21-day marker or the 28-day marker. Uh, and as I noted, uh, the first thing we do with our allocations is determine how many second doses we need uh, so that we're prioritizing uh, not being uh, too late uh, with any of those uh, second dose vaccination appointments. But thanks for that question. Thank you. That was our final question. Transitioning now to remarks in Spanish, Supervisor Hilda Solis, please go ahead. Great. Yes, thank you so much. Buenas tardes. Soy Hilda Solís, Presidenta de la Junta de Supervisores del Condado de Los Ángeles. Seguimos viendo cambios positivos. Nuestros casos en los hospitales y las pruebas positivas están bajando. Para eventos festivos de este fin de semana, el Día de San Valentín y el Día de los Presidentes, por favor, no se junten. Es tan fácil perder nuestro progreso. Solo tomando 15 minutos de estar con una persona con el virus puede enfermar a usted. Mientras más personas se vacunan, los cambios que estamos tomando siguen siendo efectivas y necesarios para prevenir la transmisión. Quiero hablarles sobre nuestro sistema de cuidado de salud en el condado de Los Ángeles. Me da gusto decir que tenemos un red de centros de atención médica públicos y gratis por todo el condado de Los Ángeles. Incluye clínicas de nuestro Departamento de Servicios de Salud del Condado de Los Ángeles y clínicas en la comunidad. St. John's, Wesley Health Centers, Altamed, and Northeast Valley Health Corporation. En estas clínicas, familias pueden obtener medicina preventiva, inscribirse en su seguro médico y recibir asistencia de salud mental. Durante la pandemia, las clínicas también han ofrecido pruebas de COVID-19. 
y ahora son parte de un nuestro plan de distribución de vacunas de COVID-19. La salud de nuestra comunidad depende en parte de la atención y el apoyo que dan estos centros de salud y agradecemos todo lo que han hecho. También quiero mencionar un programa muy importante que se llama My Health LA. Es un programa de cobertura de salud financiado por el Condado de Los Ángeles y administrado por el Departamento de Servicios de Salud. Cada año, My Health LA da servicios a 135 mil residentes del condado de bajo ingresos que no tienen seguro y no califican para un seguro médico. Si desea más información de este programa, puede ir y llamar a estos números 844-744-6452. También me gustaría hablar sobre nuestros esfuerzos sobre la vacuna. Visité, al, visité yo el centro médico de LACUSC este fin de semana y vi a pacientes mayores de 65 años recibiendo su vacuna. Después, unas uh, prometoras de salud les ofrecieron servicios integrales. Pacientes también recibieron mascarillas y paquetes informativos y hasta alimentos de comida. Este es un modelo que deberíamos de incorporar en nuestro lanzamiento de las vacunas. Después de pláticas con la administración de presidente Biden, estoy feliz de anunciar que para el 16 de febrero, un nuevo centro de vacunación comunitaria federal se va a hacer en Cal State LA y se va a lanzar. También quiero agradecer al gobernador Gavin Newsom por su asociación y por los recursos del estado que ayudarán a el sitio. Aunque las cifras de vacunas están mejorando, debemos seguir insistiendo que todos tengan acceso. Mañana le, pide, le voy a pedir a la Junta de los Supervisores que aprueba mi plan para trabajar con agencias de tránsito y también usar el sistema de auto, autobuses del condado para que no hay falta de transporte y no impide que las personas se vacunan. Junto con nuestros socios federales, también vamos a mandar a equipos móviles que visitan viviendas para personas mayores, viviendas de familias administradas por el gobierno y otros lugares. Estas son los, algunas de mis primarias unidades móviles que se van a implementar en el condado de Los Ángeles. Y creemos que este móvil va a ayudar en la problema de movilidad y el acceso. Hay más de 340 sitios de vacunación en todo el condado, desde las mega sitios hasta las farmacias locales y las clínicas de salud están ofreciendo asistente a las personas más vulnerables. La meta es abrir sitios en todas las partes, desde escuelas hasta centros comunitarios y proveedores de servicios confiables en sus comunidades. Les pido que por favor empiecen a compartir sus experiencias sobre la vacuna con los demás. No queremos llegar a un punto en que tengamos demasiadas vacunas y muy pocas personas para vacunar. Este es un esfuerzo nunca visito y todos los días llega la esperanza a una familia donde se vacuna una abuela o una enfermera. 
pero como Jacqueline va a anunciar en un momento, tenemos mucho trabajo que hacer. Las barreras que vimos con respecto a casos y muertes se ven ahora en la administración de la vacuna. Esto no es aceptable y es por eso que vamos a hacer unos cambios en los próximos días para asegurar que la distribución de la vacuna se verdaderamente está igual para todos. Le pido a todos nuestros departamentos y nuestros proveedores médicos que cumplan con su responsabilidad para que la vacuna llegue a los que más lo necesitan. En este momento, ya saben, es crítico a vacunar a los más vulnerables. Gracias y ahora me da gusto a presentar a la representante del Departamento de Salud, Jacqueline Valenzuela. Hoy daremos actualizaciones para ayudar a detener la transmisión de este virus mortal y para ayudar a guiar el esfuerzo complejo e importante para continuar con el proceso de vacunación y distribución de las vacunas a nuestras diversas comunidades. Primero, eh, daremos nuestros números diarios. Nos da tristeza informar que hoy 93 personas más han fallecido, lo que trágicamente eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 18,135 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Hoy estamos reportando 2,741 casos nuevos, lo que eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 1,149,064. Actualmente, 4,186 personas están hospitalizadas con COVID-19 y el 29% de estas personas están hospitalizadas en unidades de cuidados intensivos. El 26% están en ventiladores. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 90,128, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. 37,108 de estos casos confirmados son residentes y 53,020 son personal. Hasta la fecha, más de 5.6 millones de personas se han hecho la prueba en el condado de Los Ángeles y la tasa de positividad acumulada es del 19%. Next slide, please. Seguimos avanzando en la reducción del número promedio de nuevos casos diarios de COVID-19. Aunque nuestras cifras diarias siguen siendo muy altas, Uh, el promedio de siete días de casos diarios alcanzó su punto máximo el 8 de enero con más de 15,000 casos y ahora ha disminuido en un 77% a menos de 5,000 uh, por día. Esperamos que esta tendencia continúe y podamos reducir nuestras tasas diarias de casos lo suficiente para permitir que las escuelas primarias cumplan con el umbral estatal de reapertura. Next slide, please. Las hospitalizaciones de personas que se han enfermado gravemente por COVID-19 eh, continúan disminuyendo gradualmente, aunque las cifras siguen siendo altas. Como recordarán, alcanzamos un gran aumento de 8,065 hospitalizaciones diarias el 6 de enero. Esto fue eh, un aumento de más de 900% de las aproximadamente 760 hospitalizaciones cuando comenzó el aumento a fines de octubre, principios de noviembre. 
Al 5 de febrero uh, hubo un promedio de 4,608 hospitalizaciones diarias, una disminución del 42%. Uh, es alentador ver que estos números están bajando y estamos agradecidos con todos los que han tomado acciones cuidadosas que han hecho posible esta disminución. Sin embargo, nuestros hospitales todavía están muy llenos con una capacidad limitada de unidades de cuidados intensivos. Antes de que comenzara el aumento, había menos de 900 pacientes por día hospitalizados con COVID-19. Si todos pueden hacer su parte para prevenir la transmisión, podemos reducir la presión sobre nuestros hospitales al disminuir el número de personas que se enferman gravemente por el virus. Eso permitirá que los hospitales cuenten con el personal y los recursos necesarios para adaptarse a otros tipos de necesidades y procedimientos médicos que se están demorando debido a la gran cantidad de pacientes con COVID que requieren cuidados intensivos. Next slide, please. Desafortunadamente, la cantidad de personas que fallecen a causa de COVID-19 sigue siendo angustiosamente alta. El número promedio de muertes diarias por COVID-19 alcanzó su punto máximo a principios de enero, 220, lo que representó un aumento de más del 1,700% desde que comenzó el aumento y reportábamos 13 muertes diarias por COVID-19. Al 31 de enero, el número de personas que fallecían por COVID-19 a diario se redujo en un 45%, aunque seguimos informando que más de 200 personas fallecieron en demasiados días. Lo más triste de todo esto es que las hospitalizaciones siguen siendo altas. Eh, podemos esperar que más personas fallezcan por COVID-19 en las próximas semanas. Para que las tasas de mortalidad disminuyan significativamente, las tasas de casos deben disminuir aún más. Por eso es tan importante reconocer que ahora es el momento de tomar más precauciones, no menos, para apoyar el avance en nuestro viaje de recuperación. Next slide, please. Este gráfico de las líneas de tendencia de casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes hasta el 31 de enero muestra la tasa de disminución para las tres métricas. Los casos, la línea verde, están disminuyendo a un ritmo muy prometedor, pero las hospitalizaciones y las muertes no están disminuyendo al mismo ritmo, ya que las hospitalizaciones y las muertes van por detrás de una caída en casos. Esperamos que la gente haya decidido no reunirse para el Super Bowl este fin de semana pasado. Solo comenzaremos a ver el impacto de nuestras acciones este último fin de semana dentro de dos semanas en nuestro número de casos diarios. Si los casos aumentan, las hospitalizaciones y las muertes también aumentarán poco después. En las próximas semanas necesitamos ver que nuestros números de casos diarios sigan disminuyendo hasta que podamos llegar a números diarios muchos más bajos. La transmisión comunitaria seguirá siendo generalizada y existe un riesgo significativo. Las variantes del virus son preocupantes porque si bajamos la guardia, la, la, las variantes más infecciosas pueden volverse dominantes, lo que facilita la propagación del virus. Next slide, please. Aunque los nuevos casos de COVID-19 están disminuyendo, la transmisión generalizada sigue impactando a nuestros trabajadores de salud y socorristas. 
Estamos reportando 840 casos nuevos eh, la semana pasada entre los trabajadores de salud. Hasta el 4 de febrero, un total de 36,162 trabajadores de salud y socorristas han sido confirmados con COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles desde marzo del año pasado. Esta, perdón. Esta tabla muestra tres oleadas de casos entre los trabajadores de salud, una que comenzó en marzo y alcanzó su punto máximo a mediados de abril, otro que se produjo en julio cuando nuevamente vimos altas tasas de transmisión comunitaria en el condado y nuevamente con el reciente aumento. Puede ver por la línea roja, eh, continúa, que, eh, el, continúa que el mayor aumento de casos nuevos en el reciente aumento ocurrió en entornos hospitalarios. La línea gris representa casos positivos entre los trabajadores de salud y el personal de los centros de enfermería especializada. Cuando ocurrió el reciente aumento, el aumento de casos en los centros de enfermería especializada no fue tan grande. Esto puede reflejar los esfuerzos en los centros de enfermería que mejoraron el control de infecciones y el manejo de brotes y ofrecieron pruebas de rutina. El impacto de las vacunas entre los trabajadores de salud también puede estar contribuyendo a la disminución de casos nuevos y podría servir como indicador del resultado positivo que tendrá el aumento de las vacunas en el número de casos nuevos de COVID-19. Next slide, please. Trágicamente ha habido un total de 191 fallecimientos relacionados con COVID-19 entre trabajadores de salud y los socorristas en el condado desde el comienzo de la pandemia. Este gráfico muestra información demográfica de los fallecientes que eran trabajadores de salud. Más de la mitad de las muertes son entre hombres. Individuos latinos sufrieron el número más alto de fallecimientos entre todos los grupos étnicos, seguidos por individuos asiáticos. Un gran porcentaje de los trabajadores de salud o los socorristas que fallecieron por causas de COVID-19 tenían problemas delicados de salud, más del 80%. Si bien intentamos investigar dónde las uh, personas estuvieron expuestas a COVID-19, en el 72% de los casos no se pudo identificar la fuente de exposición. Sabemos que casi el 25% de los trabajadores de salud y los socorristas que fallecieron estuvieron expuestos al virus en un entorno de atención médica y un número menor de 8% estuvieron expuestos en un entorno familiar o comunitario. Cada uno de estos fallecimientos es una tragedia y nos unimos hoy con las familias y compañeros de trabajo de los trabajadores de salud que fallecieron por COVID-19. Continuaremos trabajando con organizaciones en todo el condado para garantizar que los trabajadores de salud estén protegidos en los lugares de trabajo, que tengan el equipo de protección personal necesario para mantenerse seguros y que continúen teniendo prioridad para obtener la vacuna. Next slide, please. Este gráfico nos da información sobre la administración de vacunas en el condado de Los Ángeles. La tabla en la parte de arriba proporciona los últimos números para la asignación y administración de dosis. A partir del 1 de febrero, el condado de Los Ángeles recibió un poco más de 1.2 millones de dosis. Al final de esa semana se habían administrado más de un millón de dosis. 
Eso significa que casi el 82% de todas las dosis disponibles en el condado llegaron rápidamente a los brazos de la gente. La segunda tabla muestra las dosis que se enviaron al condado de Los Ángeles. Como puede ver en la tercera columna, nuestros envíos semanales han subido y bajado. La semana pasada recibimos más de 184,000 dosis y un gran porcentaje se reservó para segundas dosis. Esta semana deberíamos recibir más de 218,000 dosis y el 50%, perdón, el 55% de las dosis que esperamos recibir es necesaria para las segundas dosis. Nos alienta que haya un aumento en nuestros envíos semanales y esperamos que esta tendencia continúe. Next slide, please. Ahora estamos recibiendo datos demográficos del Registro Estatal de Vacunación para ayudarnos a analizar quién se vacuna y dónde se producen las brechas. Esos datos son muy útiles para ayudarnos a, re a reasignar suministros, incluidos recursos adicionales para educar al público, uh, para garantizar que haya una distribución justa de la vacuna. Esta tabla muestra quién ha recibido al menos una dosis de vacuna por raza y etnicidad. Estos datos incluyen las dosis administradas hasta el 4 de febrero e incluyen vacunas para los trabajadores de salud, los residentes y el personal y los centros de atención a largo plazo y los residentes de 65 años o más que comenzaron a vacunarse el 20 de enero. Aproximadamente una cuarta parte de las dosis de vacunas se administraron a residentes blancos y otra cuarta parte se administró a residentes latinos. El 18% de las dosis se administraron a residentes asiáticos y el 17% a residentes que se identificaron como multiraciales. Eh, sorprendentemente, las, uh, los residentes afroamericanos han recibido solo el 3.5% de todas las dosis administradas, lo que destaca una flagrante insuficiencia en la implementación de la vacuna hasta la fecha y en breve discutiremos algunos esfuerzos adicionales que estamos tomando para abordar esto. Next slide, please. Este eh, gráfico muestra los que han recibido al menos una dosis de vacuna por edad. Uh, es importante saber que estos números reflejan nuestros primeros uh, grupos prioritarios, que eran trabajadores de atención médica de primera línea, personal y residentes en centros de atención a largo plazo y residentes de 65 años o más. Como recordatorio, los trabajadores de salud están vacunados y trabajan en Uh, en el condado de Los Ángeles y no son necesariamente residentes del condado. Next slide, please. Este gráfico incluye un conjunto de datos muy importante con respecto a comparar el número de personas de 65 años o más que han recibido al menos una dosis. Si bien se, se estima que el 20% de los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles Uh, de 65 años o más han sido vacunados, este gráfico nuevamente demuestra claramente la necesidad de destinar recursos adicionales a las comunidades más afectadas. Uh, para ser francos, estamos alarmados por la desigualdad que ya estamos viendo en quién está recibiendo la vacuna. Por ver que en el grupo de 65 años o más, la población indígena estadounidense, nativos de Alaska, a la población afroamericana y latina tienen tasas de vacunación más bajas que la población blanca, asiáticas e isleñas del Pacífico. 
De hecho, la población afroamericana tiene la tasa de vacunación más baja de todos los grupos raciales y étnicos, con 7.2%, que es menos de la mitad de la tasa de la población blanca y un tercio de la tasa de los isleños del Pacífico. Los indios americanos y los nativos de Alaska tienen una tasa del 9%, aproximadamente la mitad de la tasa de la población blanca y asiática. En la comunidad latina, que ha sido la más afectada por los impactos de la pandemia, la tasa de vacunación hasta ahora es del 14%. Estos primeros datos nos muestran que eh, debemos trabajar duro y de manera más eficaz para que las vacunas lleguen a las comunidades afroamericanas y latinas. Eh, también debemos brindarles a todos el acceso a la información que necesitan para recibir esta vacuna y salvar vidas. Esta es una de las prioridades del Departamento de Salud Pública. Continuaremos trabajando con nuestros socios comunitarios para asegurarnos de que no solo estamos vacunando a todos rápidamente, sino también nos estamos enfocando de manera justa. Next slide, please. Uno de nuestros compromisos es aumentar el número de sitios de vacunación en las comunidades más afectadas. Como puede ver en este mapa, hay cientos de eh, centros en todo el condado con citas programadas para esta semana. Hasta que el nuevo sistema estatal esté en su lugar, continuaremos coordinando con esta red muy extensa y capaz de farmacias, hospitales, centros de salud calificados a nivel federal y otras clínicas de salud, así como los seis centros de gran capacidad administrados por la ciudad de Los Ángeles y por el condado. En total, hay 365 centros que ofrecen vacunas esta semana. Esto incluye 129 clínicas de salud calificadas a nivel federal, 208 farmacias, 16 hospitales y 6 centros comunitarios más pequeños administrados por la ciudad y el condado. Esta semana se agregaron 10 centros de vacunación adicionales en el este de Los Ángeles y el sur de Los Ángeles, lo que eleva a 49 el número total de centros de vacunación en estas dos comunidades. A medida que continúa el programa de vacunación, estamos buscando estrategias que mejoren el acceso a la vacuna para las personas mayores con movilidad limitada y que necesiten asistencia para obtener citas. Estamos organizando equipos móviles para llevar las vacunas directamente a las personas mayores que viven en comunidades de viviendas o que acceden a centros para eh, personas mayores en nuestras comunidades más afectadas. Además, tendremos trabajadores de salud comunitarios en las comunidades más afectadas que irán cuadra por cuadra para brindar la información necesaria para estas comunidades incluida la falta de información, los rumores, mitos y desinformación de cómo las personas pueden recibir la vacuna. Además, estamos trabajando para apoyar los sitios de vacunación y a partir de hoy colocamos a 60 voluntarios de varias universidades en los sitios uh, para brindar asistencia con la entrada de datos, el apoyo de la cadena de frío y vacunadores eh, clínicos autorizados. El Departamento de Salud Pública continúa ofreciendo horas de oficinas semanales para los sitios de vacunación uh, para ayudar con los desafíos emergentes y comunicar los cambios en los requisitos de informes de datos estatales. Sabemos que programar una cita en este momento es un desafío, especialmente debido al suministro limitado de vacunas que recibimos semanalmente. 
una cosa que re recomendamos es que si actualmente es elegible para recibir una vacuna, recopile su información cuando se conecte al internet o, uh, o cuando llame a nuestro centro de llamadas. Asegúrese de tener a, ma a la mano la información de su seguro junto con el nombre y la información uh, de contacto de su médico de atención primaria. También es importante eh, es, es estar fam familiarizado con los sitios más cercanos a usted y más convenientes. Es aconsejable que también se uh, familiarice con nuestros sitios web y el sitio web MyTurn, donde puede ver cómo se programan las citas. El sitio MyTurn también le permite registrarse para recibir notificaciones cuando se abran las citas y cuando comiencen las vacunas con grupos prioritarios adicionales. Continuamos agregando personal eh, en el centro de llamadas para ayudar a quienes uh, tienen um, acceso, no tienen acceso a computadoras para poder programar sus citas. Continuaremos trabajando con socios comunitarios y sindicatos para planificar la uh, implementación de las vacunas en un par de semanas para los trabajadores de la educación y el cuidado infantil, la alimentación y la agricultura, los servicios de emergencia y las fuerzas del orden. Si bien el suministro de vacunas sigue siendo muy limitado, Continuaremos pidiéndoles paciencia mientras vacunamos a aquellos en los grupos uh, prioritarios determinados por el Estado. Eh, no programe citas para usted ni para otros si actualmente no es un trabajador de atención médica de primera línea o una persona que vive en el condado de Los Ángeles de, de 65 años o más. Next slide, please. Para terminar, queremos recordarles a todos que la advertencia de, vi de viajes sigue vigente en el condado de Los Ángeles. Nuestros casos siguen siendo altos y el riesgo de infección continúa siendo demasiado alta uh, hasta que podamos vacunar a más personas. Evitar viajar reduce el riesgo de transmisión del virus, incluso al reducir el riesgo de nuevas fuentes, um, nuevas fuentes de infección y potencialmente nuevas versiones de la virus que ahora están presentes en California. El aviso eh, recomienda no hacer ningún tipo de viaje si no sea esencial. Eso es especialmente importante porque el próximo fin de semana es el Día del Presidente. Sabemos que es un fin de semana largo donde muchos uh, quieren salir de California o viajar. Recomendamos ir de viaje. Eh, eh, Uh, no recomendamos ir de viaje de placer o recreativo hasta nuevo aviso. Los riesgos son demasiado grandes. Eh, según el aviso de la advertencia de viajes, cualquier persona que llegue al condado de Los Ángeles debe ponerse en cuarentena por un mínimo de 10 días. Esto incluye aislarse por completo, incluso con las personas de su hogar. Puede encontrar más información sobre la advertencia de viajes y la orientación que recomendamos en la página de COVID en nuestro sitio web del Departamento de Salud Pública. Uh, muchas gracias. Um, and it looks like um, it looks like we have a question in Spanish, and it um, relates to what's the new phase that's going to happen next week as far as um, vaccination. Um, la pregunta es, eh, que, ¿cuál es la nueva fase de, fase de vacunación que mencionó a la doctora Ferrer? Um, so, eh, esta semana, eh, la próxima semana vamos a seguir um, 
con dando prioridad a las personas que necesitan su segunda dosis, igual que los que siguen en la próxima, el próximo, próxima etapa, perdón, uh, de la primera fase uh, que mencionó el Estado. Así que son trabajadores en los sectores de educación, uh, agricultura, uh, um, y, y um, se me pasa la última. Eh, lo mejor sería eh, ver nuestro sitio web um, vacunatelosangeles.com y ahí va a encontrar toda la información acerca de las próximas fases, cómo puede apuntarse para las citas, quiénes y, y cómo recibir más información acerca de cuándo va, va a ser um, la vacuna disponible para usted. Thank you so much. Now we'll go on to remarks in Armenian. Բարյորբոլորին։շնորհակալություն Այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 93 մահվան մասին։ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերից հիվը 18135-ի Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում։ Այսօր հայտնում ենք 2741 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Եվ սա Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը բերում Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 49356 դեպքեր, իսկ Pasadena քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 10473 դեպքեր։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 4186 մարդ, որոնցից 29%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում, իսկ 26%-ը միացված են շնչառական օդապոխիչների։ Քննություններ են կատարվում 4787 ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակչության հաստատությունները։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերի թիվը 90128-ն նրայրալ անձնակազմ եւ բնակիչներ։ Այս դեպքերից 37108-ը բնակիչներն են և 53020-ը անձնակազմ։ Ավելի քան 5.6 միլիոն մարդ տեսավորվել է եւ արդյունքները զեկուցվել են Լոս Անջելոս շրջան, որոնցից 19%-ը դրական է։ Մենք շարունակում ենք առաջընթաց գրանցել COVID-19 ուրական նոր դեպքերի միջին քանակի կրճատման հարցում, չնայած մեր օրեկան թվերը դեռ շատ բարձր են։ 7 օրվա միջին ուրական դեպքերի քանակը գագաթնակետին հասավ հունվարի 8-ին ավելի քան 15000 դեպքերով եւ այժմ ընկել է 77%-ով։ Օրեկան 5000 դեպքից պակաս։ Հուսովենք որ այս տենդենցը շարունակվի եւ մենք կկարողանանք նվազեցնել գործերի մեր ամենօրյակ հանակայնքան, որ տարական դպրոցներին թույլ տալ վերաբացվել։ COVID-19-ի վարակված ծանր հիվանդացած մարդկանց հոսպիտալացումը շարունակում է աստիճանաբար նվազել, չնայած որ թվերը շարունակում են բարձր մնալ։ Ինչպես հիշում եք հունվարի 6-ին մենք հասել ենք առավելագույն գագաթնակետին 8065 միջին օրեկան հոսպիտալացում։ 
Da, aveli can inartocosov acer motavorapes, jotarvatsun hospitalatsumit, dirpalikas casvets, octemberi vercin, jevnamberi spaspin. Petervari hingidruciam, grandsvele, chorsazar vetsar ut, micin orecan hospitalatsum, voru carasun jerkutokosov ancume. Cajal era canet esnel, tench pesen aistaverenevazum, jevmengsnurakaleng bolorit, of kerskush, kortsautsunere, hanaravorendatsnum. Dram. Aina aminainiv merhivandanotsnere dershat martashaten. Yev samanapak intensiv hanamki tarogutsam. Minch ali kaskasele orekan inna haurits pakas hivantkar hospitalatsvats covid tasninov. Yete yurakanchur karohana irbajine pohansel kanhelu hamar. Men karohenk nevazesnel chenshuma. Merhivandanotsnerivere nevazesnelo virusits shat hivant martkans tiva. Să hnarăuțim că tăi vândanosnerii nu ne-au anznăcăz, iev resursnăj, vorun că înrăjeste în alte săi care hamar, vorun hetazăcfumen cani vor covid tăsnini hivanerii mezcanăca, pahanjume veragentanatzman bajamunknăj. Tăvog covid tăsnini nici mahatzog matkanstivișa unaikumemnal, an hangestatznog barcer. Covid tasninits amenoria mahvan micintiva gagat naketi nehasel humvaris kazbin vor kazumer jerku harurksan incha ajele aveli kan hazar jothar tokosov kan anjamana kirps kasveler alika yevmen khagortumen covid tasninits orekan tasne yerek mahvan masin humvari 31 drutsam amenor covid tasninits kankits heratsats martkanstiva nvazele Chinayat menk shaunakum menk hagortel vor shat orer aveli kan 200 marte mahatsel. Tsavuk hospitalatsumnere menalov bartsel makardakum menk karogenk akankalel vor arachika shapatneri entatskum aveli shat martik mahanam covid 19-nets. Vorpisi mahvan depkeres galioren nvazen depkeri tempere anrajeshte aveli ichnen. Aha te inchu aitkan karevore gitaktsel vor aizm zamanak ne avelișat nașaz gusacan micosnere zernarcel. Ie voci păcăs vor pici ajacțeng arătșașman mer vrea cângman cana parin. Mer husne vor martik nașantrețin ce havacvel superboli ansat hangestian orerin. Men catesneng men mer gotogotunere azletune ansat hangestian orerin. Gerku Shapat Ant, Gerb Amenoria Depkeri Mech, Tesnank Tavere. Depkeri Avelatsman Depkum, Amija Peseto, Hospitalatsuna, Yev Mahatutian Nimpes Kavelana. Mutaka Shapatneri in Tatskum, Mengpetke Tesnank, Vor Amenoria Kanaka Sharanakum in Vazel. Michev Mengchikarohanan Kasnel Shat, Avelitsatur Orekan Tavere. Hamaiki Puhansum, Menumet Aratsvats, Yev Kalur Juris. Tarbiraknere metahokichem, vorohete vietemeng tultank merpaspanutsuna, aveli varakish tarbiraknere karogandarnal gerishhoch, virusitaratsuma durin tartsnelov. Patvastumneri karkavichak, heterwari meki drutsam, Los Angeles Sergeana Statsele, mi poker aveli kan mekambok cirkum milion terachav. Michev ait shapatva vercharten irakanatsvelen aveli kan mek milion. Terachapov, Patvastumner. 
Ավելիքան։ Եթե ներկայումս իրավունք ունեք պատվաստանյութ ստանալու, ես խրախուսում եմ ձեզ նախքան արձանց մուտ կործելը կամ մեր զանգերի կենտրոն զանգահարելը տեղեկատվություն ստանակ։ Համոզվեք, որ ձեր ապահովագրության տեղամասերը։ Եթե կարողանակ այցել էլ մեր Vaccinate LA County կայքը, կարող եք սեղմել My Turn կոճակը, որտեղ կտեսնեք, թե ինչպես է նշանակվում ժամատրությունները։ My Turn կայքը նաև թույլ է տալիս գրանցվել, որպիսի ծանություններ ս Մենք շարնակում ենք զանգերի կենտրոնում ավելացնել աշխատակազ, որպիսի ոգնենք համակարգջային հասանելություն չունեցողների նշանուկումները կատարել։ Մենք կշարնակենք աշխատել համայքի գործնկերների և արդմիություն արձականքող աշխատակիցների և իրավապա մահրմինների աշխատողներին։ Չնայած պատվաստանյութերի մատակարարում է մնում է շատ սամանապակ, մենք կշարնակեն խնդրել ձեր համպերատարությունը, կանի որ պատվաստում ձեր կամ այլոց համար, եթե ներկայումս առաջնակցի առողջապայության աշխատողներ չեք, կամ 65 և ավել պարձեր տարիքի բնակիչներ չեք։ Իվերջո ես ուզում եմ բոլորին հիշեցնել, որ լոսանջելոս կոմսությունում Միչև մենք չկարողանանք ավելի շատ մարդկանց պատվաստել։ Հորդատվության խորուրդ է տալիս, դեմ լինել ծանկացած ոչ էական ճանապարդությունից 120 մղոն հրավորության վրա։ Սա հատկապես կարևոր է հաշվե արնելով Մենք խստորեն խորորդենք տալիս հրաժարվել ծանկացած հանգստի կամ ժամանցի ճանապարորդությունից միջև հետակա ծանությումը։ Հիսկերը պարզապես չապազանց մեծ են։ 
ներկայումս տուրիստական խորհրդատվությունը համաձայն յուրաքանչյուր ոգ ով ժամանում է լոս անջելոսի շրջան պետքի ինքնորոշվի կարանտինում առնվազը 10 օրվա ընթացքում խնդրում եմ 10 օր մնալ ձեր տանը կամ բնակարանում եւ խոսափել ուրիշների հետ շփվելուց ճանապարհորդական խորհրդատվությունը եւ մեր առաջարկած ուղեցույցի վերաբերյալ լրացուցիչ տեղեկություններ կարող է գտնել մեր հանրային առողջապահության կայքի COVID-19-ի էջում lacounty.gov/coronavirus Շնորհակալություն Thank you Now the remarks in Korean Anyasimnika 먼저 일일 수치를 알려드리겠습니다. 유감스럽게도 오늘 93명의 새로운 사망자가 보고되었고 이로써 LA 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 18,135명입니다. 사망자 중에 80세 이상은 41명이었고 이중 29명은 기저질환이 있었습니다. 65에서 79세 사이는 24명이고 이중 20명이 기저질환이 있었습니다. 50에서 64세 사이에는 21명이고 이중 15명이 기저질환이 있었습니다. 30에서 49세 사이는 6명이고 3명이 기저질환이 있었습니다. 오늘 2741건의 새로운 케이스 수가 보고되었고 이로써 LA 카운티에서의 총 케이스 수는 149,064건입니다. 4,186명이 현재 코비드19로 병원에 입원해 있으며 29%가 중환자 체질에 입원해 있고 26%가 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 코비드 케이스가 나온 거주 비거주 시설 총 4,787개를 조사하였으며 1,263개는 현재 조사 중이고 3,524개는 조사를 마쳤습니다. 오늘까지 560만 명 이상이 LA 카운티에서 테스트를 받았으며 누적 양성 확진률은 19%입니다. 7일 평균 1일 케이스 수는 1월 8일에 15,000건이었는데 이제 77%가 감소하여서 5,000건 이하입니다. 1월 6일에 1일 병원 입원자 수는 8,065명이었는데 2월 5일에 평균 1일 병원 입원자 수는 4,608명으로 42%가 감소하였습니다. 수치들이 감소하는 것을 보는 것을 보는 것을 가능하게 만들어준 여러분들께 감사드립니다. 그러나 병원은 여전히 중환자실이 부족한 상태입니다. 급증 시작 전에 COVID-19로 병원에 입원한 사람들의 수는 900명 이하였습니다. 우리가 모두 확산을 막기 위해서 맡은 일을 한다면 병원의 부담이 줄어들 것이고 바이러스로 인해 중병에 걸리는 사람들의 수도 줄일 수 있을 것입니다. 그로 인해 병원에서는 집중 필요가 필요한 코비드 19 환자들로 인해서 늦춰지는 다른 의료 서비스나 시술이 필요한 사람들도 돌볼 수 있는 인력과 자원을 제공할 수 있게 될 것입니다. 유감스럽게도 코비드 19로 사망하는 사람들의 수는 여전히 매우 높습니다. 1월 초에 코비드 19로 인해 평균 1일 사망자 수는 220명이었습니다. 1월 31일에 그 수치가 좀 줄어들었지만 여전히 여러 날 동안 200명 이상이 사망하였습니다. 유감스럽게도 병원 입원자 수가 여전히 높기 때문에 앞으로 수주 동안 COVID-19로 사망할 사람, 더 많은 사람들이 사망할 것으로 보고 있습니다. 사망자 수가 줄어들기 위해서는 케이스 수가 더 많이 감소해야 합니다. 
그렇기 때문에 지금이야말로 우리가 더 조심하고 회복 단계로 나아가기 위해서 노력해야 할 때입니다. 지난 주말에 슈퍼볼 때문에 사람들이 모이지 않았기를 바랍니다. 지난 주말의 행동의 결과는 앞으로 2주 후 1일 케이스 수로 나타나게 될 것입니다. 케이스 수가 증가하면 곧 병원 입원자 수와 사망자 수 역시 증가하게 될 것입니다. 앞으로 수주 동안 이를 케이스 수가 계속 감소하, 감소해야만 할 것입니다. 수치가 현저히 줄어들 때까지 커뮤니티 확산은 계속될 것이며 위험성이 매우 높습니다. 우리가 잠시라도 경계를 늦춘다면 더 감염성이 높은 바이러스가 지배적이 되고 바이러스가 확산되기가 더 쉬워질 것입니다. 지난주에 의료 서비스 종사자들 가운데 840명이 코비드19 케이스 양성 확진이 되었습니다. 작년 3월부터 2월 4일까지 총 3만 6,162명의 의료 서비스 종사자들과 응급 요원들이 LA 카운티에서 코비드19로 확진되었습니다. 의료 서비스 종사자들 가운데서의 백신 접종은 아마도 새 케이스 수의 감소에 영향을 미쳤을 수 있고 앞으로 예방접종 수가 증가하면서 코비드19 케이스에 긍정적인 영향을 미칠 것으로 볼수 있습니다. 안타깝게도 판다미 시작 이래로 카운티 내에서 의료서비스 종사자들과 응급요원들 중에 총 191명이 코비드19로 사망하였습니다. 이중 절반 이상이 남성이었고 라틴 계열이 가장 높은 사망률을 보였으며 그 다음은 동양인이었습니다. 80% 이상이 기저질환이 있었고 72%가 어디에서 감염된 것인지 알려지지 않았습니다. 거의 25%의 의료서비스 종사자들 중에 사망자가 의료서비스 세팅에서 노출된 것으로 보이며 8%는 가족이나 커뮤니티 세팅에서 노출된 것으로 보입니다. 2월 1일까지 LA 카운티에서는 120만 개 이상의 백신 주사를 받았으며 그 주말까지 100만 개 이상의 백신 주사가 접종되었습니다. 거의 82%의 백신 주사가 사람들에게 이미 접종되었습니다. 지난주에 18만 4천 개의 백신 주사를 또 받았고 대부분이 두 번째 접종을 위해서 남겨두었습니다. 이번 주에는 21만 8천 개를 더 받게 될 것이며 이중 55%는 두 번째 접종을 위해서 남겨두게 될 것입니다. 1월 20일부터 2월 4일까지 백신 접종을 받은 의료 서비스 종사자들과 장기 간호시설에 사는 거주민들, 스탭들, 그리고 65세 이상의 주민들의 데이터를, 데이터를 보면 약 4분의 1은 백인 주민들에게, 4분의 1은 라틴 계열 주민들에게 접종되었습니다. 18%는 동양인 주민들에게, 17%는 다민족 주민에게 접종되었습니다. 놀랍게도 흑인 주민들은 3.5%만이 접종을 받았습니다. 65세 이상의 LA 카운티 주민 중에 20%가 백신 접종을 받은 상태입니다. 누가 백신을 받는지에 대해 불균형이 있다는 것을 보게 되었습니다. 인디언 알래스칸 주민, 흑인 주민, 라틴 계열 주민들이 백인이나 동양인, 퍼시픽 섬 주민들보다 접종률이 낮았습니다. 흑인 주민들이 7.2%로 제일 낮은 접, 백신 접종률을 보였는데 이 수치는 백인 주민들보다 반 이하이고 태평양 섬 원주민들보다 3분의 1이 되는 수치입니다. 인디안 알레, 알래스카 주민들은 9%로 
백인, 동양인 주민들의 반 정도 되는 수치입니다. 라틴 계열 커뮤니티에서는 가장 높은 케이스류가 가장 높은 병원 입원률, 사망률에도 불구하고 14%만이 접종을 받았습니다. 이번 주에 카운티 내에서 수백만, 수백 개의 장소에서 스케줄된 접종 예약들이 있는데 새로운 주정부 시스템이 실행될 때까지 보건부는 약국들, 병원들, 연방적으로 허가된 헬스센터, 클리닉, 그리고 LA시와 카운티에서 주관하는 6개의 장소들에서 백신 접종을 제공할 것입니다. 총 365개의 장소에서 백신을 제공할 것이며 129개의 연방이 허강, 연방 허가된 클리닉들, 208개의 약국들, 16개의 병원들, 그리고 LA시와 카운티가 주관하는 6개의 커뮤니티 장소에서 제공될 것입니다. 이스트 LA와 사우스 LA의 10개의 백신 접종 장소가 더해졌고 이로써 이두 커뮤니티에서는 총 49개의 장소에서 백신 접종이 이루어질 것입니다. 백신 접종 프로그램이 계속되면서 몸이 불편한 노인분들과 예약 시간을 잡는 데 도움이 필요한 사람들을 위해 여러 가지 방법들을 찾고 있습니다. 타격이 큰 커뮤니티에 있는 시니어센터나 하우징에 살고 있는 노인들에게 직접 백신을 접종하기 위해서 모빌 틈을 준비하고 있습니다. 또한 커뮤니티 의료 서비스 종사자들이 골목마다 주민들에게 백신 접종을 받는 방법이나 루머나 잘못된 정보에 대해서 정보를 제공하는 일을 하고 있습니다. 오늘까지 여러 대학교에서 60명의 지원자들이 접종 장소에서 데이터를 입력하고 자격 있는 접종자들을 돕는 역할을 하고 있습니다. 보건부는 계속해서 매주 접종 장소들이 겪는 문제들을 지원하고 주정부 데이터 보고 요구 조건에 변화를 전달하는 역할을 하고 있습니다. 현재 매주 받는 예방접 백신 공급량이 정해져 있기 때문에 예방접종 스케줄을 잡기가 매우 어렵다는 것을 알고 있습니다. 만약 현재 백신을 받기에 적합하다면 콜센터에 전화하거나 온라인으로 예약하기 전에 필요한 모든 정보를 먼저 수집하시기 바랍니다. 이를테면 보험 정보나 주치의 이름과 전화번호를 알고 계시기 바랍니다. 백신에잇 LA 카운티 웹사이트에 들어가시면 마이턴 버튼을 누르셔서 예약하실 수 있습니다. 마이턴 사이트는 예약 날짜가 이용 가능하면 알려주도록 등록할 수 있고 백신이 언제 다른 우선 그룹들에게 제공되는지 알려줍니다. 또한 컴퓨터로 예약하지 못하는 사람들을 위해서 콜센터에서 계속해서 인력을 충원할 것입니다. 또한 커뮤니티 파트너들과 노동조합과 함께 앞으로 몇주 안에 교육과 보육 쪽에서 일하는 사람들과 음식, 농업, 긴급 대응자, 법 집행기관에서 일하는 사람들을 위해 백신 접종을 시작하도록 준비할 것입니다. 백신 접 공급이 여전히 제한되어 있기 때문에 주정부에서 결정된 우선 그룹이 포함된 사람들에게 먼저 접종함으로 기다려주실 것을 부탁드립니다. 그러므로 65세 이상 LA 카운티 주민이거나 최전방 의료 종사자가 아니시라면 자신이나 다른 사람을 위해 접종을 예약하지 마시기 바랍니다. 마지막으로 LA 카운티에서 여행 관련 권고사항이 여전히 유효함을 알려드립니다. 케이스 수가 여전히 매우 높고 바이러스 확산 위험성이 여전히 높기 때문에 더 많은 사람들이 백신 접종을 받기 전까지는 유효합니다. 권고사항은 카운티 밖으로 120마일 이상의 비필수 여행을 권장하지 않습니다. 
특히 다가오는 프레지던트 데이 주말에 보통 많은 사람들이 휴양지로 여행을 가는데 추후 통지가 있을 때까지 어떠한 레저나 레크리에이션 여행을 하지 말도록 권고하는 바입니다. 현 여행 권고 사항에 따라 LA 카운티로 도착하는 사람은 누구나 적어도 10일 동안 자가 격리를 해야 하며 10일 동안 집이나 숙소에 머물러서 다른 사람들과 접촉을 피해야 합니다. 이 여행 권고 사항과 지침 정보는 보건국 웹사이트의 코비드 면에서 보실 수 있습니다. 웹사이트의 주소는 publichealth.lacounty.gov/coronavirus입니다. 감사합니다. Next remarks in Mandarin. Thank you. 感谢你多少位呢？首先是女士，感谢你和全体多少位人的不懈努力和指导。我非常感谢您为洛县居民不断的争取更多的疫苗，以结束新冠疫情。今天我和为大家更新公共卫生局在多个城市为阻止这一致
到了现在已下降了百分之七十七，不到每日的五千例。我们希望新冠病例的下降趋势一直持续，直到州政府所规定的目标，以便我们的小学可以重新开学。我现在每日重症病例一直在下降，尽管重症住院病例仍然很高，住院人数在一月六号达到了八千零四十六例之高。与去年的十月每日七百六十例相比，这等于了百分之九百的增加。当年二月五号，这一数字下降到了四千六百零八例，相当于下降了百分之四十二。很欣慰看到这些数字的下降，也十分感谢大家的努力，因为大家的谨慎，我们才能达到目前的状况。但我们的医院仍然十分拥挤，加护病房也十分有限。在爆发前。每天的新冠病例住院人人数不足九百人，如果每个人尽自己的努力做好防护，就可以减少传播，进而可以降低重症病例，减少医院的压力。这样，医院就可以腾出资源，为等待已久的非新冠病人提供服务。死亡人数很不幸，因新冠病毒去世的人数仍然高的可怕。新冠病毒致死的人数在一月初达到了高点，达220人，相比爆发前的每日平均死亡人数的13这等于暴增了 1,400% 到1月31号，每日因新冠病毒去世人数下降了 44% 而期间我们已连续多日有超过200人平均每日的人去世。很不幸，只要住院人数高居不下，未来几周内死亡人数也会持续不下。只有住院人数进一步下降，死亡人数才会明显下降。这就是为什么这个时候是更应该加强防护，而不是减少的时候。这样我们才能够在恢复的道上走得更远。病例、住院及死亡，资料显示了新冠病例，但住院人数或死亡人数。指标截止一月三十一号的趋势，只因为住院人数或死亡人数延迟于新天的新冠病例，新冠新天的病例下降明显，但住院人数或死亡人数下降则没有那么明显，而是明显滞后。上星期我们提出希望大家不要聚集一起看超级杯，具体的结果只有等到两周后才能从新天病例中才看出。如果因超级杯病例增加，那么随之而来的是住院人数或死亡人数的增加。在接下来的数星期，我们每日新天病例不断下降，直到每日新天病例下降到一定的数，社区传播的风险之前都会居高不下。医护人员的病例，尽管每日新天新冠病例一直下降，但广泛的传播仍给医护人员和急救人员带来。非常大的影响。过去一周，我们就有八百四十个医护人员或新冠病例。从去年三月起，截止二月四号，感染的医护人员或急救人员总共达三万六千一百六十二人之多。医护人员或急救人员的感染人数分别在去年的四月中旬、七月及最近的一波。最近的一波中。首脸护理机构的医护医护人员影响不是很大，这可能是因为各机构加强了传染控制、爆发控制
及加上有规律的规律的测试，给医护人员和急救人员接种疫苗，也可能是这一结果的因素。疫苗接种状况，截止二月一号，洛县总共收到了一百二十万多支疫苗，而且约有一万一百万支已接种，及百分之八十二的疫苗已接种。每星期我们接种的疫苗数量都不同。上星期我们接收了一十八万四千支疫苗，其中大部分是用来第二次注射的。这星期我们将会接收超过两二十一万八千支疫苗，其中有百分之五十五的疫苗会用于第二次注射。接种点的地图显示，我们会在。重疫区增加更多的注射点，这周将会有许多人接受接种。我们会与各医药房、医院联邦授权的医护中心及其他医护诊所，再加上由洛县和洛市管理的六个大型接种地点。这星期我们县总共有三百六十个疫苗接种点，这中包括一百二十个联邦授权的医护中心、两百零八个药房和十六家医院。这星期在东洛杉矶和南洛杉矶，我们增加了十个注册点。对外旅行的建议，我最后要提醒大家，洛县旅行方面的规定仍然有效。我们不建议在任何时候离开洛县超过120英里之外的旅行，尤其是在即将到来的总统节。我们不建议大家聚会，也不建议举行不必要的旅行。现有的规定不允许任何离洛县一百一二十英里之外的旅行。我们建议不要在总统节做任何旅行的规定。感谢大家 ，This concludes for today. Thank you. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.